Well, it's, it's almost December, and, and although originally that's, we all know that December's not Jesus' actual birthday. It's when we choose as Christians to celebrate that. And so this season, they, they call it the Advent season, uh, and really, as I understand it, has to do with the coming of Christ. And so the first Sunday, we talk about hope. So that won't be the point of today's sermon, but it does kind of tie in. Uh, we are... I'm excited. We have a, a family worship service, okay? That means you guys might see the young men and women of our church in here with us today. So, hey, if you're, so if you're between the ages, if you're like in kindergarten all the way to sixth grade, would you stand up real quick? Stand up if you would. Yeah. Guys, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Hey, any of you, any of you students, okay, would you want to read a verse for me? You could sit up here, you'd be on a microphone, you'd be willing to do it? Okay. When the time comes, I'll have you come on up, okay? Anyone else want to read a verse? Okay, what about if I have, what about if you uh, help me with an illustration later? It would involve walking around the church. Would you walk around the church with me? Yeah, you guys. I'll, I'll ask you when the time comes, okay? We're good? Cool. I got some helpers. Wonderful. Because what you're going to find out, I don't, without help, I'd be really lost. So, Guys, we are... We are in John 4 still. We're, we're like taking a holiday here, as they would, as they would say in John 4. We're, we're going we're gonna to stay here. So today I want to talk to you about living water. But let me, let me pray first. Lord, speak to us. Please use your words that were written, that were inspired by you, given to John. Lord, and, and translated throughout time for people who believe. And, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak it to our hearts for all of the believers from like two months old to 200 years old and everyone in between, that you would speak to our hearts and teach us so that we would not just know more about you, but know you more, trust you more, love you more. And from that, that we would love each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's, you have to forgive me. So my British friends tell me I don't speak English. I speak American. (laughs) Apparently that's different, okay? So my English isn't best. I'm not an English teacher, right? I just play one on TV. But anyway, here's the English lesson. Today, we're going to talk about living water as a metaphor. So I I looked this up on the internet, so it has to be true, Chris, right? If it's on the internet, it has to be true. Now, a, a metaphor could be defined as a figure of speech in which a word or phrase that ordinarily designates one thing is used to designate another, thus making an implicit comparison. Okay, I had a kid say something to me about an article of clothing, and they said, yo, that's cold. That clothing is cold. Well, it wasn't really cold. I said, yes, if I put it in the freezer and then put it on, it would be really cold. But, but that meant it was cool, right? We used to call that cool. But so we're, we're, sometimes we use words that don't mean what they say. Now, a metaphor is when something which has a usual meaning is used to mean something else, and really what ends up happening is it compares the two. So I'm going to give it away right at the beginning. The metaphor here that's used in this John 4 is is what Jesus calls living water. Now, living water, because it it was first seen, this phrase living water in the Old Testament, the original language which our Bible's translated from is Hebrew. You see those cool little figures? Looks like someone's house with a tree next to it. Yeah. So these two words, chai mayim. Hi, mine. That, that's my that's my 
That's my Prescott Valley accent for that. But those two words mean living waters. And what it is, is water that comes from God. And, and in a quite literal way, what happened is that means like rain and, and fresh water that comes from the heavens. Not water that sits in a puddle. And if you, were, if you were living in the Middle East, a lot like in Prescott Valley, it's very odd to see that weird water come from the sky. It's usually an odd brown or green color because it's been sitting somewhere for a long period of time. And we use chlorine and stuff to treat it before we drink it. Right? Okay. So when they were talking about living water, it was water that was fresh, that flowed, that came from God. Now, the metaphor is we're saying the living water is... The Holy Spirit, okay? The presence of God. Some, some people would say Jesus. Well, understand, at this time, Jesus was in front of them. But where we are now, if you haven't been in church, the story is Jesus, he was in heaven, right? God came down, he rescued us. He did all the work we couldn't do. He rescued us. He died to pay for our sins. He came back to life. And then he went with a new human form to heaven to sit on the right hand of God to be an authority. But as not to leave us alone, the Father sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, the full presence of God that, that not only surrounds us, but lives in everyone who believes. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Is that clear? Okay. Anyway, but what, what we're talking about is, so the living water is... The Holy Spirit, or the power, the presence, the direction, the love of God, the knowledge of God, which is the relationship with. It's the knowing. It's like you know God, not, not about God. Side note, a lot of times in churches and in religious groups, we get super excited about knowing about God instead of knowing him. And if history has proved anything, filling your head with information about God never gives you the rescue that knowing him and having a relationship with him does. Okay? So knowledge is not just an intellectual exercise, but it's, there's a knowing and an experience. That's, that's the Hebrew word there. And the life of God, the healing of God, it's poured on and into us. I can't necessarily explain it, but I, I could tell you more what it feels like, right? Like somehow the Holy Spirit of God can, can come from heaven over you. It helps you right when you need it. And it can also fill you and give you a strength, a courage, a peace you don't know. Sometimes it comes from the outside. It comes from the inside. It, it meets. So that's the living water. So now I've given you the metaphor. Let's go into the scripture. John 4, we've been going through this story a lot. If you're just joining us today, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you context. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. History tells us there's three main paths that the Jews would take through Samaria. And, and one of them was on the coast. Less Samaritans was more popular. The other one was on another coast. And there was one up the center, which was the shortest distance. Well, Jesus took the shortest distance. At the middle of the day, he came upon a well, which was called Jacob's well. From the Old Testament, if you were reading back in Genesis, you would find that. He found a woman there who came to get water at the well. Very uncommon for a woman alone midday. Jesus encountered her. I believe this was no accident. I believe that God had him take this path at this time to encounter this woman. He has a conversation with her. Okay, here's where we pick up. 
John 4, verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, right? Two weird things happen. Jesus, this like rabbi was talking to a Samaritan and a Jew, they didn't usually interact. And a man being alone with a woman talking to her. Those were two irregular things based on their law. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What does living water mean? What's the metaphor here? Yeah, yeah, God, the Holy Spirit, right? Like, yeah, the spirit, the life of God. Okay. The woman said to him, sir, right? The fine print is here. She doesn't get it. Just like us. You don't get it at first. Looking back, you're always like, ah, now I see. But when it's in front of your face, we often don't understand what's going on. Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Like, is it on the right side of the well, on the left side of the well? What is happening here? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. See the metaphor, right? Who has the Holy Spirit and still gets thirsty for water? Right, okay, this is not what he's talking about. You still, you die, okay? Unless God does something miraculous if you don't drink water. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about literal here. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or will have to come here to draw water. It's like something from Willy Wonka, right? Water, there you go. Not living water. Bottled water, very different. Okay, here's the warning. I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture because there's a bunch around this, which is exciting. So take notes. If you aren't taking notes, please understand a couple things that we're doing is we put these sermons on YouTube. So you could go back and look at what's, what verses was that again? And if you're on our email list, you'll get a, a sermon in a nutshell, which, which will recap some of this, the slides, and you can go back and look at which verse was that? And then you can go home and pull off your Bible and open it for yourself. Okay. Deal. Um, I'll let you. What's your name? Olivia. Olivia, I'm Will. Guys, Olivia, everyone, everyone, Olivia. Okay, so so do you want to, I don't know how much reading you like to do. So I'll start with this first one, and then I've got some for you. So here's the first, here's a scripture from the Old Testament. So Jeremiah is a prophet, and Jeremiah 2.13 said this. This is where we, we're going to see this living water concept, not just what Jesus said, but he's tying in with this lady to the Old Testament. The scriptures that were given to the Jews, right, that the Samaritans also had access to. Jeremiah spoke on behalf of God, and he said this, My people have committed two sins. Two sins, right? They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. So the first sin was they forsook him, and he was the, the spring of living water. And instead, and they have dug their own cisterns. Do you have any idea what a cistern is? Not really. So a cistern is like, uh, yeah, you know what it is? Help me out. 
Big tube or container, right? Yeah. So it's a container that holds water. So if you live in this area, the water isn't naturally falling from the sky a lot. So when you get it, you got to store it. And then you use it. And we do this with different wells. and So he's saying, basically, instead of coming to me, the source of all life, you've tried to create your own little life. Right? The literal is, instead of getting the water from the sky, you're keeping it in containers. And really, these containers are broken. They can't hold water. So it, what it's basically saying is all the things that I do to try to make life work doesn't work. Okay? So let's see here. How about this one? Here, read this one for me, if you would. Joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Oh, she's a better reader than me. Maybe we should have you preach. So here's another one. Isaiah, another prophet speaking from God. As Olivia Olivia said, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And that word is rescue, right? Um, You want to read again? Sure. Have you read again? For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Cool. Do you see that right there? So once again, they likened it. I will pour the water, right? The metaphor on the thirsty land and the streams on the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit okay, upon the offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And I'll, I'll kind of read this one here. You can just hold on to that for a minute if you're good. So Revelation, Revelation 22. How many chapters in the Bible after Revelation 22? Zero, right? Okay, this is the last one. This is almost the end, Olivia. If you keep reading down this, you're going to catch like the end of everything. Everything's all set. So here's the end, the picture John was given, right? Revelation is, is the same John that wrote our letter, friend of Jesus, that the angels visited him and show him what's going to take place. Revelation 22.1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as a crystal. Flowing from the throne, wait, wait a second. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So check it out. There is a throne room and clear water, living water is flowing right from them. And it flows and it goes down the middle of the great street. On each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. So listen to this. So there's 12 trees, they have different fruit. I remember when I was in grade school, did, did you guys ever have school lunch at grade school? So when I went to grade school, they give our parents a calendar and it told you ravioli, pizza, which day you got. And if you were a chubby kid like me, you were like, oh, I don't know if that's spaghetti. So on the day you got the greasy pizza, you were like, yes, right? I wonder if it's going to be like that in heaven. You're like, oh, mangoes again. Yay. Right? I, don't, I just wonder, but I'm picturing that, right? This water is flowing. It's giving life even to the tree. And, and it goes on to say, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and her, his servants will serve him. I'm going to have you read this one. Okay, this is from Zechariah 14.8. He's talking about the day of the Lord, what's going to happen. So go ahead and read this. Boom, right? On that day, living waters are going to flow out of Jerusalem, right? The throne room. Once again, he's seeing it ahead of time, right? Well before John got this vision, like, whoa, there's this water he sees coming. 
Ezekiel 36, here's, where, here's another place where he talks about this water. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your unclean, uncleanliness, right? Uncleanliness, your uncleanness. It's this idea that the water purifies. It washes and gives new life, right? And from your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, and your flesh will give you, or, or, and, and from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So when you guys think of the Holy Spirit, you think of miraculous things, right? It's a lot of the arguments among Christians. But what I'm telling all them, Olivia, here is this. Sometimes the most powerful thing the Holy Spirit gets you to do is the will of God. Like, he could raise the dead, sure. He could heal people. People could speak foreign language they don't normally know. But the most powerful thing you could do is follow God with the Holy Spirit and give you strength and hope when there is none. John 7, here's another one, right? This is what Jesus is going to say. We're going ahead. So I'm telling you right now, we're going to revisit this idea in like three years when we get to John 7, okay, at this rate. But Jesus saying this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up, middle of the feast and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit to whom he believed in him were, they were to receive as for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, now out of, out of this, he'd said about the Spirit, whom, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for yet the Spirit had not been given. So the idea is they don't have the Holy Spirit yet, right? Because Jesus hasn't gone up to paradise. But he's talking about, or up to God with authority. Um, so that's what's going to happen. So Jesus stands up and he's like, hey, whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink of me. And what they're going to get when they drink of me is, the Holy Spirit, back to the metaphor. Okay, awesome. So give, let's, let's give Olivia a hand for, now, now you're gonna help me with the next thing. You wanna stay here? You're very brave, thank you so much. Now, now I wanna take you to another section of scripture. And this is really cool. And then, okay, all the, hey, everyone who's a, a rock climber, man, if you're kindergarten to sixth grade, would you stand up where you're at if you wanna help? As long as you know how to walk, you'll be able to help me with this, okay? So watch, watch what's going to happen. So Olivia and I are going to do this. Ezekiel 47, right? This prophetic thing that, that we're seeing here. And Ezekiel sees the temple, right, where God lives. The prophet Ezekiel at the temple, what he sees is like a trickle of water flowing out from under the altar, okay? And then the water flows out of the temple, and down the stairs, so we'll come walk with me. So it's flowing, and it starts like a little trickle, right? It's just, it's real, it's just not very wide, not very deep. Then a thousand cubits from the temple, the strange flow of water has grown to like ankle deep. So we keep going. And then a thousand more cubits, it's knee deep. So it's this idea that we, it, as it flows, it gets deeper and deeper. Then it goes from the knee to the waist, and then finally, it becomes so wide that you can't cross it. So we kind of cross, a, go over here, and it starts out thin. It gets wider, it gets wider, it gets wider, it gets wider. Let's get some help. You guys want to come help? Come help. You want to come walk? Do you want to come too? 
Here, come help. Come on. Come walk with us. Walk with us. Come help me out. Josh will come. Josh, you want to come help too? I'm coming help. Okay, so stand next to her, right? So it's getting deeper as we go. It's getting wider. And then you guys stand here. Keep walking around that way. Let's get it. I wasn't meaning to put my hands on you. So stand, stand shoulder to shoulder. Now let's walk this way. Come on, let's walk. Let's keep it thicker, right? It's getting wider and wider. It's getting wider and wider. You guys want to come walk with us? You guys come walk with us. Anyone else can come walk with us. You guys want to come walk? No? You good? Anyone else over here? Watch. It gets wider and deeper and deeper and deeper. Anyone else? You guys, the big kids can come too if you guys want. It just gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper. Pretty soon it's this like flowing river, so deep. And it started as a trickle. Well, why in the world did they, why in the world did he see that? You guys have any idea why? What do you think? Any, any thoughts? Why, why this? Why did it start thin, right? One person and now look at how wide it's gotten. The more people heard, the more followers. So it's a fun way to get you guys involved. God's influence is spreading. Yeah. Yeah, because at the same time, guys, the Holy Spirit is working in an individual person's life, but it's also the glue that puts us all together. We can use so many things to divide us. But what happens is God's plan, it's, it's prophetic. What happened is it started at Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit came on that one group of people. And then Satan thought he was stopping it by persecuting them. And then what happened to the people when they persecuted? What happened, Josh? They spread, right? They went throughout all the world. So think about that. Think about the Holy Spirit living in each one of you. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Olivia, thank you. You all can sit back down. So what, a, what, an, interesting, what an interesting thing, and, and okay, very, well, that's very pastor of you, Will, to put it back on us. But here is the facts. Here is the straight facts that we don't think about enough, okay? Jesus did everything. He did all the work, okay? So if all you were to do is say, I'll take it, Jesus, then something like Star Trek-like should happen to you, right? You're done. If there's nothing else, you're done if he did all the work. What happens is Jesus is like, it's better that I go with the Father, sit at his right hand, keep the earth spinning, keep Armageddon meteorites hitting, from hitting the earth, right? Like, I keep everything going, and then I'm going to send you all of God to live in all of you, and you will continue to spread that message. And that river will get so big, that truth, that life, that Holy Spirit will be so big and wide that nothing evil can cross it. Right? That's the dream. And somewhere along the way, we've thought that each part of us, a full carrier of the Holy Spirit, are less important than other people. And we've got to get that out of our head. We've got to get it out of our head. So also at Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a quote out of there. Ezekiel 47, 9. It says, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Are you getting the picture? The salty dead, this flow, this Holy Spirit, this God 
empowered group of believers, they're changing the world. They take the salty things and they make them fresh. Yeah, cool. The, the, the actual Dead Sea? There is, a, there is a Dead Sea, but yeah. Yeah, so I think this is actually taking, once again, the kind of the metaphor, right? It's taking a physical thing, and I don't know that it will physically, when it all comes, what's going to happen will become fresh, right? But it's that idea that there's this salt water and the fresh water overtakes it. And now things can live in there. Now plants can grow in there. And I think what we don't, what we're, what we're taking lightly, would you say something, Steve? Dead things come alive with our God. Yeah? Yeah. I know that, that I should stop there, but I won't. Okay? I want to come back. So this hasn't changed. This hasn't changed. This is the Old Testament, but this piece hasn't changed. My people, back to Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Does that happen? What's it look like now? Example. What is it? The world's a mess, yeah. Big mess. Um, yeah, specific, help me, yeah. Christian, okay, t- put that in, in Prescott Valley terms, if I don't know. Um, Church. Christ detaching himself yeah. from fellowship, from scripture reading, from praying. And- so followers of Christ, they stop following him. They detach from all those things, yeah. They got away from him. Got away from him. Yeah, I, I mean, overall, right, from, from Genesis, do you understand Adam and Eve's biggest complaint was, can't we do what we want, and are you holding out on us, God? Right? Fast forward however many years that is, you can argue about it, whatever, to now, if I go down the street, everyone's asking the same question. I think God is giving me less than I really want, or maybe there's not a God, or maybe he's not good. I got a better plan. Maybe he's holding out on me, right? So you have forsaken me. Whatever you said, God, not good enough. I've got a better plan. And it's... I almost hate preaching it because, guys, Olivia, I don't have this thing figured out, man. I still am tr- I'm still building cisterns to hold water to create life. And what Jesus is like, listen, I'm the living water. I'm the one that brings that. But to get to it, you can't forsake me. You've got to be in my presence. You've got to receive what the Holy Spirit has you to give. And it's just, oh. It's a difficult thing, but it's still what's happening. My, all the people, all you guys have made two mistakes. First of all, you've turned away from me. You've forsaken me. You've, you've gone a different way. You're following a different path. You've, you're pretending I'm not there. You build you know, big cities full of concrete, and you choose where trees go. You, you want a ski resort, so you make snow now, right? Yeah, you want to live in the desert, because it's pretty. So you put water where there's no water and you say, we're going to live here, right? You go to the place where the ocean naturally occurs. You put walls up and then you whine when tropical storms knock it down, mm-hmm. right? We don't care what God has done. We want what we want. And I know that could be offensive. I'm sorry if I offended you. Not sorry, okay? But that, this is just true. I live here, right? I get it. If, they, if the tr- truck stopped coming, Good luck growing our food here, right? This might not be the place where we, where we end up. But it sure is beautiful in November, right? Like, yeah, right? So 
That's a question that I want to know. And this is very American of me. Like, oh man, Chris, how does this living water work? You know, how does this living water work? And we use that same kind of reasoning. I want to know more about you, God. Right? Oh, man, we love prophecy. Well, let's, we want to talk about how the world ends. We want to talk about theological principles. We want to argue about this. And all of it at the end never cause, causes us just to stop and throw all our plans down and say, your plans, God, not mine. None of those things are necessarily evil. But those aren't living water. Those are our cisterns. So I did a really poor job of trying to paraphrase this answer, which Jesus gave. Because what Jesus said is like, if you knew, (laughs) if you knew who I was talking, who it was who was talking to you, and what I had to offer you, you would ask me for it. I, I use more words here. I said, if you really knew me and the love and favor of God that I bring, you would know that my way is really living and you would keep asking me and I would keep giving you the living water that comes from God. And my, and my friends, I, I know, you know, some of you guys might be like, well, you're way off. This is not what it means. I'm telling you, man, from my heart, like when it comes to God's presence, his power, his truth, he is, his rescue has to keep coming and coming and coming and coming for you. Right? It has to. And please understand that this whole idea, like I'm rescued once and everything's good, that's just not it. And we're not talking about heaven and hell, okay? You want the the pastor who tells you the heaven and hell line? I'm just telling you the way, which is Jesus, okay? I'm not defining lines here that I don't know. I'm just not. What I'm telling you is no one's going to be like following Jesus to heaven and they're going to be like, you're not in. Right? Like, oh, what you're trying to do is say, how far away can I get from Jesus, Will, and still make it in? That's not what we need to do here. We're a bunch of, this is a place where you're either trying to figure out whether you want to follow Jesus or you're trying your best to. And we get together periodic times throughout the week to encourage one another, to help each other out, to serve our community, okay? So let's just be honest with one another. You are going to need the rescue again and again and again and again and again. But we forget that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the power of God that comes to us, that fills us, surrounds us, is our power to keep doing that. So, Elliot, how does this Holy Spirit thing work? How does this living water thing work? Like, give it to me, Corey. Like, if I drink it, then it's going to be good once. And everyone has a plan, right? Read this book. Do this program. Say this prayer. None of those things are evil. They might help. They might help. But Jesus says, well, you know what? If you really know me, know me. Follow me. Right? All of you who are burdened, right? Come to me and I will give you rest. He said things like this. All who are thirsty, come drink from me. All who want eternal life, eat my flesh. And everyone's like, dude, this guy's nuts, right? Like they started bailing on him. I understand this is an unpopular message, but Jesus himself, right? He went from thousands of people to a hundred and something people by the time he talked like this. So I know this is 
not very popular and most of you won't buy into it and will I? I don't know. But this is what we can talk about at this point. The invitation is living water. The invitation is living water. Well, how, how, do you, how do you end something? There's got to be something like tricky, right? No, no, no tricks. Remember, one of, one of the keys of John, the whole book of John, one of the purposes is that we would know that Jesus is God, right? And that we would grow in our belief in him. So here in John 4, there, there's a woman. We've talked to aspects about her. But who I want to point you to is Jesus, who is God. Jesus, who, who is the rescuer of you and I. And that he is on the throne. And I think where you're at, where I'm at, where you guys are at. I mean, there's the rock climbers I get. There's the kids, guys, teenage, college. Um, it's hard because I don't know any other way than tell you guys, here's what you're supposed to do. Build some cisterns. Right? Corey, isn't this right? This is what we do. So, you know, what are you going to do with your life and who are you going to do it with? Those are the big questions. And, and those aren't bad. Those aren't bad. But you have to honestly kind of look at yourself and say, where's Jesus in that? I, I, right? Like everyone who's a little bit older, right? You, oh, man. You know. You were there, and none of you are doing what you thought you were going to be doing when you were 17, right? And some of you are like, thank God I didn't end up with the person I dated when I was 17. And some of us are still with the person we dated when we were 17. So there's very different dynamics. And then some of you, your cisterns are getting leakier, right? Right? Like, it's how I see you. I, I know. It's happening to me. Like, things are creaking and, and leaking, and yeah, and they smell weird. And it's just, it's happening. So as time goes on, right, from the children who have no idea what I'm talking about, which is fine, to the teenagers who are like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't have all the answers. I don't know who I am. Awesome. Here's where it starts. Core identity is because of Jesus, you can be a son or daughter of God. And he is the source of everything that you need. And then if we seek him and his kingdom, then everything's added to us. We forget that piece. There is adding. Like, yeah, you're going to want food, water, place to live, people who love you. Sure. It's the living water that gives you that. It's the living water that gives you that. It's, it's knowing God and his goodness because then when you choose a job, or if you choose a spouse, if you choose where you're going to live. And then you get a little older, you got to adjust. You know, health things creep up or circumstances. See, what happens is the Christian faith following Jesus is not about him changing your circumstances always. Is that true? Anyone who's been doing that for a while, are you still waiting for him to change your circumstances? Yeah, we, we are. And the hope of prosperity is that God changes my circumstances to match up beautifully so I get what I need and want. More need than want. More need than want. That's a weird line, right? Need it and is. want. It's a hard line. 
the truth is, the offer of Christ is, is back to the reality that you're his. And that God indwells you. So even when your circumstances are bad, as bad as they can be, you're not alone. First and foremost, God is in you and around you and through you and over you and below you. And he's, and he's that same way in some of the people around you. That's pretty cool, right? The bad news is I can't tell you the circumstances aren't going to get better. Because the living water isn't about um, restoring the flesh. Understand the flesh is still going to die. Right? I mean, you can take a body, you can put it in a tomb and preserve it as much as you want, but it's still just, it's not the person and it won't last, right? From dirt we started, right? Go back there. So what do we do? So here, here's the invitation. Wherever you're at, whatever your circumstance is, I'm inviting you to the table. We have a, there's a practice that's been in the churches, instituted since the time of Jesus. And he did this originally at, at Passover. Um, and, and so I'm going to invite the, the praise team to come on back up. And if you guys would just give them a little instrumental time. And we do that because it, we like it, right? It's not magic. We put some music in the background and then come if you would like. But the invitation is to come to the table because Paul kind of warns us, whenever we come to take communion or the Lord's Supper, what we're really doing is we're doing two things. We're remembering, ultimately we're doing one thing. We're remembering Jesus more than anything, right? And worshiping him. But we do that in two pieces. Because one is the most important thing I'm telling you you can do is have a relationship with Jesus. It is the only way to living water. It is. And you're needed again and again and again and again. And I think if we were a people who were like looking to Jesus and asking him, please, Jesus, help. Like, Jesus, what do I want to do? If we did that on a more continual basis, I think our lives would be transformed. So when we come to the table, we, we examine ourselves. We say, where are we at and where are you working in our lives, God? And, and we do this in remembrance and we say, wow, no matter what's happened, no matter what you're going through, the first piece, this bread, I have in my left hand here, I'll just start with this one. It, it symbol, it's not his body, okay? But it symbolizes his body, which was, was broken, which, which was crushed for our iniquities. So all the things that you've done wrong, all the ways in which you're lost, he paid for you with that. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, right? Thanksgiving and hope. And then his blood, like where that, where that leaves, like it, it comes and it washes away like, like the living water, right? It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And it makes us fresh and clean and white and pure before God because of Jesus. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, right? Like, so when you take this at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, right? There's hope. There's fresh. There's that living water. And then just sit there when you're done and just say, Lord, pour it on me, man. Give me 
the living water, your spirit, to help me in my circumstance, to help me in my pain, to help me in my struggle, or to celebrate with me because it's going great. Can we do that? Okay, I'm going to pray, and then you guys just come. They're going to play quietly for a little bit, and then we'll go into the couple songs of praise to God. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you so much for your love. And, and Lord, I pray that we would, although we can't explain the living water, I pray that we would come before you, Lord, that you would pour your spirit on us and you would well up in us so much so that even though we can't explain it, we can tell you exactly what it's like. That's my prayer, Lord, that we would just come to know you more and know your truth and your love and your mercy and your patience, that we would follow you, Lord, that you would go where you would lead us, Lord, and we would just speak of your goodness and the hope and the reason for our hope. So, Lord, I bless this time of communion. Thank you for sacrificing your body for us and spilling your blood that we might be made new, be given a new heart and be washed clean. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you.